I want to uh, thank everybody for coming to learn with us. And this is our seventh of the, uh, of the Tehillim Shirim. And uh, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, even though we're not necessarily in the same room, uh, I'm going to read our psalm first. And, uh, and I'm sure you'll understand why. Shir lamalo Hine loyon and velo yishon, shomer Yisrael. Adonai shomerecha, Adonai tzilcha, yad yiminecha. Yom amashem eshleyak yakov, yareach balayla. Adonai yishmor chemikora, yishmor esnavshecha. Adonai yishmor tzeischavuecha, meetavi adolam. Now, the reason, the reason that uh, I said it first is because this particular capital, Psalm 121, Kufchaf Aleph, is traditionally recited at the time of Eist Sara. It's become uh, very much the go-to. Uh, in fact, um, we have a practice that in school, uh, when we were still in a brick-and-mortar school, so we would go ahead and we would recite Tehillim every day, uh, or once or twice a week, uh, depending on what the situation was in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, many people have grown up with saying a particular psalm of Tehillim. So one day I, say, I said the Tehillim, I said the psalm... Um, I said Psalm uh, one, uh, a different one, Shiramal's Bimama Kim Kirasi Hashem, which uh, we recite traditionally during the Aserisi Mechuva. Uh, Rabbi Alan Schwartz came up to me afterward and he said, You know, with all due respect, um, there wasn't any respect due, especially not from Rabbi Schwartz. But Rabbi Schwartz told me, with all due respect, Shiramal's uh, Bimama Kim is reserved uh, for specific times during the year and specific occasions. For uh, tsara, for a time of need or a time of uh, of pain, so it's better to recite this particular psalm, Kapitel Kuf Chaf Aleph, and that's for very good reason. And we'll see what, as we go ahead and we try and understand and plumb the depths of what this particular capital means and what it's talking about and what it's trying to communicate to us. Uh, but it's become something uh, of a byword. Uh, saying this psalm, saying this particular capital is a byword for, for those who, uh, who find themselves in an ace tzara, as we do find ourselves in a difficult time, and we recite this particular one. But the truth is, and the question that we ask at the outset is if you go ahead and you look at the psalm, there's other kapitlach uh, of Tehillim which seem to make much more direct and, uh, and overt reference to difficulty uh, and to suffering and struggle uh, than this particular psalm. So why Kuvchaf Aleph? Why is that the one, why is that the particular kapitel that you, is instantaneously recognizable, that we've heard so many times, unfortunately, being recited in public, being recited with people going through a difficult time and uh, in the same tune, in the same mangina that I use, it's almost like when you sing this psalm in that tomb, Shir Amalos. So you already know that something is uh, something terrible is going on. Sometimes it's in Eretz Yisrael, God forbid. Sometimes it's uh, here, God forbid. That's the uh, that that is the psalm. So I want to go ahead and explore why um, and why it's worth saying it nowadays, um, together with whatever tefillot other people are reciting. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the uh, about the placing of the psalm as well. So Kapitel Kuvchaf Aleph is one of the Shir Lamalos, uh, or in English sometimes the, the Songs of Ascent or the Pilgrim Song. Uh, that's because they all begin. There's 15 kapitlach that begin with this particular opening, um, this particular koteres, as we would say, uh, shir lama alos, and. Um, and this is unique, actually. This particular psalm is unique amongst all of the 15 Shir Ma'alos. Amongst all 15 of them, this is the only one that begins with Shir Lama'alos. 
with a lamed instead of a hay. And the reason behind that, uh, Rashi says, is two. Uh, first of all, Rashi says, according to Pshat, this was simply the psalm that the Levim recited when they would ascend on the 15 steps of the uh, Beis HaMikdash, when they would come up from the Ezra's, uh, Ezra's Nashim to the, to, to the Azara, to the area uh, where they would be entering into the Dukhan, the platform that the Levim would sing on. So they would go ahead and recite these psalms as they ascended up those 15 steps. They would go ahead and they would recite those particular psalms. That's Rashi's simple Pshat. The scary or deeper pshat that Rashi says is that uh, on a deeper level, Rashi says he got he got this from the Kalir, uh, from I, I believe he's referring to Velazra Kalir, to the great Python. I have to do a little more research on who exactly he's referencing, but he says that uh, from Chachmea Emes, he says that from Kabbalistic perspective, um, after a person dies, after a person passes away, so there's Malos Satzadik and there's different levels in Gan Eden, different levels in the world, uh, in the in the higher worlds, in the in the world to come, that a person's soul goes through as the soul traverses on their journey uh, to the throne of God. So the Shira Malos in a mystical sense, and this is a far departure from what Rashi started to say in terms of the Pshat, a far departure is that in a mystical sense Shira Malos is referring to Malos HaTzadikim, is referring to the different stages that the Tzadikim passed through on their way, uh, the righteous passed through on their way towards uh, the throne of God. So that's Rashi's two explanations why it said La Malos. Perhaps we can suggest that Lamalos also means that it's not just simply a psalm that we're reciting because we're ascending. It's not simply a psalm that we're reciting uh, to ascend or as Livium ascend, but this is the song of ascent. If you want to ascend, if you want to rise up in if you want to rise up to Hashem's throne and come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so Shir La'amalos, this is the one that you should be using. This is a song to ascend to. La'amalot, Mishrotzel La'alot, somebody that wants to go ahead and ascend. So that Lamed, La'amalot, indicates that this particular psalm is the one that we go ahead and use in order to do that. So already we start to have a clue as to why Kuchav Aleph is such a special um, a capital for us to say in times of trouble, such a special capital for us to say in a time that we are in need of divine mercy and in need of divine healing, uh, because this is the psalm to ascend to. It's the Shir Lama Alos, and it's already distinguished from the other 15, uh, the other 14 of the songs of ascent, uh, particularly we did one last week, uh, and the reason is, is because the reason is, is because it's a sheer lama alot. So it already uh, indicates its unique nature in that this is a song to ascend to. There are other opinions as to uh, where and when this particular psalm was sung first. Uh, one of the opinions in the Rishonim is that this was the psalm that was sung three, three times a year when a person would make their pilgrimage to the Beis HaMikdash, Aliyah Leregel, and Pesach Shavuos and Sukkot. So the pilgrims, and this is why it's called in the, in the Christian Psalters, these are called pilgrim songs because I guess they followed that opinion. Uh, in the in the Psalter, it says that these pilgrim songs were ones that were as you were taking your family with your wagons and your donkey and being prepared to purchase karbanos in Yerushalayim. So you would sing Shir Lamalos. Imagine uh, nowadays, I guess not so much at this particular point, but it should come back soon. As you uh, enter that road, you get on the Nesher. Uh, I like talking about this visual metaphor. Uh, you get out of the Nesher at the airport, uh, you know, maybe you figure out the price or whatever, and you're on your way through Yerushalayim, and maybe you drop somebody off in Moza or somewhere outside of it or uh, in Medvaseret and then you take that road, that road that leads all the way up to Yerushalayim. Uh, so 
you can imagine, if you want to think of a good time to say this particular psalm, uh, when, you know, everything is okay, and you're not in particular need from a Kaddish Baruch of a Yeshua, of a salvation or a Fuah, so you should go ahead, and this psalm would be uh, something to sing in the Jerusalem traffic as you take up that road from Mivaser Tzion all the way with the big sign, Welcome to Yishalayim, Shlobi Zochet, to go ahead and to recite the psalm sitting in Jerusalem traffic again. Uh, so another opinion is that was used to be singed by the pilgrims on the way up to Jerusalem. A third opinion is that, uh, and this is also quoted by Rashi elsewhere, uh, and this is one I admit a little bit of a, a, a difficulty understanding, is that before the Beis HaMikdash was built, we know that David HaMelech did not build the Beis HaMikdash. It was his son Shlomo HaMelech. But, um, but David HaMelech was involved in the purchasing of the foundations um, from the Yavusim and, uh, and the location of, the, of that particular spot as being the spot for the Beis HaMikdash. It turns out that in the place of the Beis HaMikdash there's something called an Evan Shasia. There's the foundation stone. Uh, the Gemara tells us, Evan Olam. This was the particular stone from the world was created. And apparently David HaMelech noticed that there were waters that were trying, gurgling up and bubbling up, perking relating to the surface, threatening to, um, threatening to wash over the entire world and to, uh, and to, uh, to wipe it away. And so David HaMelech saying this particular psalm, the Shira Malos, these songs of ascent, he's saying in order to quell those waters, in order to settle those waters. So that's another explanation offered by Rashi elsewhere in the Shira Malos as to what exactly we're talking about over here. So I want to go back to our question, why is this psalm particularly the one that said, why is it the by psalm or the byword for a psalm in a time of trouble? even though we've seen that there were quite joyous uses of this particular capital. So uh, I would say that there's actually um, uses uh, for this particular capital that are not that don't have anything to do with uh, sickness or 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 or, or a particular situation of struggle uh, i'll just give three particular explanations for when this tehillim is supposed to be used so we mentioned last week a geonic work from the 10th century called shimush tehillim it's an anonymous work that tells us when tehillim is supposed to be used and what each tehillim is auspicious for um, so this shimush tehillim says that for a person who's going out at night a uh, person that's going at night, Yechidi, Yechidi, so they said they should say it for seven times, and when they say it seven times, so that is uh, something auspicious to be seven, one is going out at night. I'll come back to going out at night in a second. Um, and you'll see why at the end of the capital, why, even though it sounds like, what does that have to do with this particular capital? actually going out and coming back in and being safe in your comings and goings is exactly what this particular capital is all about, and it's exactly the key to why this capital why this particular psalm, this chapter, is so auspicious in times of need when we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Yeshua. The Ramami Fano, an Italian rabbi, Kabbalist, he writes that this, uh, this particular psalm is auspicious for somebody that's looking for a zivug, somebody that's looking for a partner in love. So to say this, you should say this uh, for any time you need a zivug. And the Ben Ishchai, uh, Rav Yosef Chaimi Baghdad, so he writes in his Shailas and Shuvas Rav Pa'olim, he tells us that this is a psalm for anyone who is afraid, anybody that suffers from anxiety or fear, this is a good psalm to say over. It's easily remembered. It's, it's uh, one of these back 
back pocket psalms uh, that's important to be said. But it seems that all three of them, in addition to the unique places where they should be say, they all finish off their comments and they say that this is a uh, this is an auspicious song to be said. Whether or not you're going out at night and saying it seven times, whether or not you're looking for a zivug, a partner in marriage, or whether or not you're just generally suffering from a generalized fear, generalized pachad, this particular psalm is auspicious for it. Why is that? So let's start with the very first pasuk. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Just a thumbs up from those who I have their screens that I'm, uh, at least uh, you could hear me. I'm not even going to ask if I'm making sense. Um, you guys can, okay, fantastic. Let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to share my screen with you. Here we go. Here we go. So here's the, the, the psalm right in front of us. Let's start with the very first line. I don't believe that we'll have uh, the opportunity to study every single line of it. Uh, if uh, the past year had been any sort of indication, uh, I barely make it through a uh, psalm. It's a short psalm. It's only eight verses. It's only eight psukim. Um, let's start with the first one. Shir lamalos yavo ezri. So one has to ask the question, what exactly does looking out to the mountains, what does that have to do with us looking for help from God? That mountains are a natural feature of the world, and, and God is, I would assume, God is to be found inside. God is to be found in the internal. So what does it mean looking out to the mountains? So I want to go ahead and show you the words of the Rambam. The Rambam writes over here, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just move my, uh, just so I can see. The Rambam writes something incredible. The Rambam writes in his Hilchos Yesodia Torah, Perak Beis, he writes the following, Heich hi haderech. What is the way The Rambam writes this in his Mishnah Torah. What is the way to love God and to fear God, to be in awe of God? So the Rambam writes, When a person looks at Hashem's creation and what Hashem has made, the wondrous, great things of creation, and they see God's wisdom that has no end, that is infinite. A person is moved, a person is stirred, their spirit stirs inside them to praise God and to feel love of God and to and to and to extol God. And when you look at the greatness, the wondrous creation, so you want to know God. You want to know who created all this. The Navi Yeshaya tells us that go ahead and turn your eyes to the heavens and contemplate who's created all these things. Like David HaMelech said in another beautiful line of Tehillim, My soul pines and desires the living God. And when you think about these things, when you think about the greatness and the vastness of God's creation, you're blown away, literally blown back. And we recognize how small and how insignificant and how infinitesimal we are. Right? For example, if I were to go ahead and to show you, I don't know, let's think of a beautiful mountain range. Tyrol Mountains in, it, in Italy, okay? So here in the Alps. So let's take a look. Here's a beautiful image, right? When you go ahead and you contemplate, 
right? When you contemplate, here's a, a village, the greatness and the vastness of God's creation. So the Rambam is right. The person could go ahead, all they could feel after they could say, who, who created this, this vastness? And we've always, if you've ever been on a trip to the Rockies, or you've ever been at the top of a ski lift, you've ever been to Switzerland, you've ever been on the top of the Hermon, and you look out at these massive vistas. So you, re, you realize and recognize the power of nature, the power of the vastness of the physical world in order to inspire religious thoughts. When David HaMelech says to us, he's describing, or what I think the Rambam is doing is describing in that paragraph, that beautiful paragraph in Hilchus Yesodia Torah, the Rambam is actually describing just one Pasuk, just exactly what David HaMelech, let's go back to, uh, to our Tehillim over here, he's just describing exactly what David HaMelech is referring to. He's telling us exactly what David HaMelech is saying to us, that you should just go ahead and turn your eyes to the mountains and immediately the thought is Ezri. meaning this second half, the code of the Pasuk, really should have no connection with but once I go ahead and I contemplate the vastness of the world, then I recognize Ezri. my help as this small infinitesimal creature is only going to come from God Almighty. As he says in the second Pasuk, as he says in the second one, he says, Ezri, Me'im Hashem, Oseshamayim Va'aretz. My help comes from God, the creator of heavens and earth. So that's, that seals this notion, that seals this deal of Hashem has created the world with brilliance and with wisdom. And when we contemplate the natural world, we, when we're not cloistered, when we're out there and, and, and understanding the greatness and vastness of God's world, so we're able to go ahead and we're able to understand just how wondrous and just how great His creation is. In fact, David Amelech's son, Shlomo HaMelech wrote in Mishlei, in uh, Perek Gimel, Pasuk Yudtes, he wrote, Hashem Bechachma Yasad Aretz. Hashem didn't just create these mountain ranges. Let's just go take a look at the Tyrol Mountains again because they're so beautiful. Right? Hashem didn't just create these mountain ranges or actually my personal favorite mountain range uh, just because my family comes from Denver. Flatiron Mountains. Right? This is famous. Everybody, let's say, you guys know the Flatirons? These are the Flatirons. Flatirons are gorgeous, so you had the opportunity to go visit them in, per- in person, the front range in Colorado. When we go in, we contemplate, why did Hashem make the world? Why did Hashem make our reaction when we see that? I don't know, does a mountain goat, when it gets to the top of a, a mountain, does it contemplate the greatness and vastness? It's possible, but we know that we do. We know that we get to the top of that hill, we get to the top of that pinnacle, so we recognize how small and infinitesimal we're filled with the feeling oceanic, and we're filled with a sense of, of smallness, but also connecting to something far greater than us. It's, there's a reason that going out to nature, uh, and we should all be able to go out very soon, there's a reason that going out to nature engenders those thoughts. And Shlomo Amelch encapsulated it in Mishle, he said, Hashem b'chachma yasad aretz. Hashem designed these things and created the world in order to give us the shift of the tectonic plates is also meant not just as a geologic, uh, a feature in geologic time, but it's something that's meant to engender that emotion in us God used great wisdom in, 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 in creating the world and in organizing in a way that inspires us when we look at the natural world. Then we say, God does not allow our feet to falter and Hashem, our guardian, will not slumber. And by the way, this is why the Shemesh Tehillim who says that we should say this when going out on a scary journey at night. Uh, it starts to make a lot of sense because every aspect of this 
uh, seems to be alluding to somebody about to go out for a journey. Do not let my feet falter, let my feet carry me swiftly, let me not, let me not stumble and fall. And we said, Though it may be late and dark at night, or though I may feel alone, God does not slumber, God does not sleep. It could be a very dangerous journey and God is together there with me. Of course, in times of the Gemara, going out at night, talks about this, is a particularly spiritually dangerous time and also a physically dangerous time. Going on the highways was, was taking your life in your hands. Going out, choosing to go outside was actually a matter of life and death. I can't help but think about our own context. When to go to the supermarket feels like, uh, maybe, I, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but this is the feeling that I'm getting. Uh, maybe Making small decisions about whether to take the kids to the park or whether or not to go ahead and to, um, to go anywhere near where other people might be feels like a decision that is increasingly fraught, increasingly, uh, uh, increasingly uh, holds weight. Wait, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is just my feeling, but that's what it feels like. At least that's what the atmosphere feels like nowadays, and that's why in this particular thing, the Shemesh tell him that our feet should not falter. We shouldn't trip on the way, and that God is awake and God is with us, even though we might go outside late at night to do our shopping, and 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 it might be the streets that were used to being filled with so many people are eerily quiet and and and, and empty. And we feel that fear, and or, or maybe I'll just talk for myself. I'm so mipachadim, and I say this capital, and I recognize that there's not so much that that my fear can be abated a little bit with the sense that 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 David Amelech had this in mind when he was writing this particular tilim. He was he was tapping into this emotion. So like a person that has a little bit of, a, of anxiety or fear, so the, the particular Tehillim over here is Megam game a little bit. In a literary sense, it stutters a little bit in the sense that it's, it doubles up again. It repeats itself. And then it says, Every single statement, it's an internal monologue. Every statement is a call and response. Where's my help from? My help comes from Hashem. Who's not going to let my feet falter? Oh, Shomer Yisrael, that's the guardian of Israel who neither sleeps nor slumbers is going to guide my journey and guide my feet. Hashem Shomrecha, Hashem Tzilcha Ayad Yiminecha. God, and then repeat it again, as if to reassure ourselves, as if to speak to that inner monologue of the person that's feeling um, worried or anxious or, or, or uncertain about the journey that they're about to take. So we say in, 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 in Pasuk 5, Hashem Shomrecha, Hashem Silcha Yad Minecha. I want to talk for a second about this concept of tzel, about this concept of shade. What does that mean that Hashem is your shade? So there's a special tradition in Hasidic Sfarim, about this shade, uh, a well-known idea uh, was that Hashem acts as our shadow. God Almighty acts as a human being shadow. And I'll explain in a moment what that might mean. What we do, Hashem follows. The way that we act, Hashem is almost attached to us and follows us everywhere that we go. Um, I, 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 
I couldn't help but thinking of Peter Pan. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of thought that's given towards. Um, stop the share for a second. There's a lot of thought given in uh, literary analysis of Peter Pan's shadow. Um, you might remember that scene where Peter Pan chases his shadow around the room. It knocks over Tinkerbell. I- I've seen a lot of Disney movies recently. We're allowing our kids to watch a lot more than we usually do. Um, so so Wendy goes ahead and tries to sew on Peter Pan's shadow. And in the literary analysis, uh, what exactly does Peter Pan's shadow symbolize? So a lot of people seem to be pointing out that it, it represents its mother, it represents a memory, it represents emotion that he has to that he has to have, and Peter Pan is trying to shed that in his sense of trying to go ahead and shirk all responsibility of growing up. So he tries to shed his shadow. Uh, interestingly enough, the Gemara in Yavamos and Davkufchav Beis Amid Beis tells us that the only creature without a shadow is a demon. Uh, the Gemara says that Shadim. Uh, Interestingly enough, the word shade and shadow are closely related. Shadim, shindalids, demons in Talmudic parlance. So demons are, are apparently do not create shadows. They do not make a shadow. And that would be a way in order to identify Shlomo HaMelech. I believe, uh, I believe when Shlomo HaMelech was fighting with the king of the Shadim, whose name we're not supposed to, he who shall not be named. Uh, it starts with Ash and it finishes with Medai. That was his name. And he and Shlomo had a whole battle. And uh, apparently Shlomo was able, if I remember correctly, was able to recognize uh, him in disguise because he did not cast the shadow. That's in Gemara and Yavamos, at the end of Yavamos. So, uh, so I was thinking of, of the shadow in popular culture, uh, and in Peter Pan also, I couldn't help thinking about Peter Pan's shadow, but the Baal Shem Tov had it before, uh, I think before, Lewis Carroll was the one that wrote Peter Pan, was he? No, that's Alice in Wonderland. I don't know who wrote Peter Pan. Whatever it is, the Baal Shem Tov and the Bali Hasidus were there beforehand talking about the spiritual significance of our shadows, of, our, uh, uh, of, of the shadows that we cast. Uh, just before I go ahead and read this beautiful quote from you, the Gemara in, um, in Makos, Sandaf Yod Amebez, tells us, It says that in the direction that a person wants to go, so that's the direction that the person is led along in. You want to go ahead and do... And sin, and you want to act in a wanton way. You want to act as a person shirking off all of the any yoke of heaven. So the Gemara says that actually that person, that person will be allowed. Hashem will actually create a path for that person. It won't make it difficult, right? Your the shadow will follow along. Your spiritual self will follow along to wherever your physical self is going, uh, and and the shadow will shadow you along the way. On the other hand, the Gemara tells us in a positive sense, Adam Mishabaletayer Messiahinoso. If a person desires to purify themselves, if a person desires to do better, so if that's the path that a person wants to go to, so we move the person along that path, we lead the person along that path, in the, in the direction the person wants to go, if they truly, sincerely want to go in that direction, so we lead them along. I want to read you something gorgeous. I mentioned that this is an idea that's extant in many of the Sifrei Hasidus. Um, this comes from this Sefer, uh, Tehillim Yeshua's Esaf from the Gaon of Yaakov Meir Shechter, Breslov Mashpi in Yerushalayim. Uh, he writes the following, just a very quick quote. He quotes Sefer HaKadosh Kedushas HaLevi, that's the Berdichev, Rav Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. So in Sefer HaKadosh Kedushas Levi, he writes, Kosev Zelishono. He wrote in this following language, B'Shem HaBaal Shem Tov, in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem should be your shadow. Just as my shadow goes ahead and does whatever I do, even if I try and move really fast, my shadow is still going to follow it. You can't trick the shadow, it's always there. 
kach kiviyafel kiviyafel. So too, it's as if kemosha adam isnaeg lemata kach manhigimosamilamala. The way that a person acts or chooses to act down here, so that's the way that they're going to treat him above in shamayim. Lachain imisnaeg b'midas arachmim. Let's say a person decides that I want to conduct myself with compassion, with mercy. I want to go ahead and push myself to go ahead and to recognize I may be comfortable. Let me help people who are in a more uncomfortable situation. Let me act with rachamim. Let me act with mercy and compassion. So the Berditchva says, so the shadow, your shadow, your spiritual shadow up above will be so that Hashem treats you with that midah also. That you get treated with compassion also. Amen. He continues, Kemosha Amru, as they said in Mesachis Shabbos, Kol Hamerachim Alabrios Merachim Alabinashamayim. You want to receive mercy from Shamayim? You want to receive a measure of divine mercy? Then treat people with mercy here. Act like God, imitate God in that particular way. Mahu Rachim Vechanan Afatarachim Vechanan Imitatio Dei, as we say. Lachain Saricha Adam, just a few more lines. Therefore, a person has to vatovos. We have to conduct ourselves always, no matter how pressured we must feel, or no matter how much pain we ourselves might be in, to conduct ourselves with mercy and with goodness towards others. And with all of the good character traits. The Berditchva says you should be happy with your portion in the world. I know that I've been thinking about this so much. I mean, uh, a part of me, a part of me says, ah, I wish I wasn't stuck in an apartment, or I wish that, um, I, well, I wish none of this stuff was happening, or, uh, or I wish maybe, you know, I, I could, I could feel more secure with the amount of food in my, in my apartment, which will never be enough uh, because I come from Hungarians. You never have enough food, but. Um, but then you stop and you think and you read and I've been, uh, I, before I go to sleep, I can't go to sleep without waves and waves of dread uh, each night and you read about people who are truly suffering and you read about people who are truly struggling and you hear stories and it goes ahead and it frames you and you say, you know what, I'm going to be sameach bechalko and I'm going to use that to go ahead and to be merachim on other people and to have a little less pity on myself and a little more pity on other people and to, and to motivate me hopefully into good action. So you go ahead and you do that, that's the kind of... Uh, that that's the kind of uh, all, all this time. I, I I don't. I'm not saying what this is for. But one of the things that we could do now is that we could focus particular on, particularly on this particular trait of looking around at our chelik, of looking around at, at where we are and saying, you know what, I'm going to be sameach, I'm going to be happy with this particular chelik that I have. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will go ahead and expand that chelik and treat us with mercy as we treat others. And from Shamayim, it will happen like that to you as well. And he continues and he says, So I mentioned that the Baal Shem Tov said that in the Hasidic ideal, Hashem Tzilcha, that we want Hashem to act as our shadow, not just in a Peter Pan sort of way, but we want Hashem to act with us, to mirror our actions above as they are down below, to shadow us as, uh, as we go ahead and participate in this. I, I always say that uh, if I have any schuyos, if I have any merits in this world, it's because when I was a high school kid, uh, at the behest of a, of a Rebbe, at the behest of one of my teachers, I think I had gotten in trouble or something, so I acted as a shadow. Isn't it amazing that the word, with this understanding now, the Berdichever, that the word for people who went ahead and watched, we watched, uh, my friend and I would switch off Shabbosim in high school, uh, watching over a boy and taking him to the parks whose parents uh, severely challenged boy uh, in order for his parents to get two hours of rest. 
uh, formative experience in my life, but I think about Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem being our shadow, and the notion of my formative act of chesed of being the shadow for somebody. Um, that's just my own personal narrative of it. Um, I want to finish with, uh, with the final, we have a few more minutes, I want to go ahead and finish, I've been alluding a little bit to talk about... Um, to talk about this, and so in the daytime, the sun won't yakeka smite you. Right, the sun was beaten on the road. On the, uh, what was that Paul Simon lyric? Uh, it was a it was a warm day, and the sun was beaten on the soldiers by the side of the road. Again, here's this notion of the journey that that the that the sun, if that journey is a journey during the daytime, that the sun should not beat down on us on the side of the road. And lo balayla, and you should have the moon at night. I think the translation here is nor the moon but night. I think that we should have the moon at night. The yareach balayla. The you should have the moon at night to guide your way. Hashem Yishmorcha Mikora Yishmor Shacha. Again, constant refrain for this internal dialogue of reassuring ourselves it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And it says again for the third time God will guard you and will guard your soul. Hashem Yishmor God will guard you, your comings and your goings for now and forevermore. So I've been alluding to something, uh, talking about a journey and how this was sort of crystallized for me. So, um, so it came time last night, the refrigerator was getting a uh, little bit empty. We sort of refused to do any sort of panic buying. And, um, and we recognized that uh, it was time to go, uh, time for me to go to the store. And... Um, well, I guess I, I guess I have to explain a little bit. We've been telling people, uh, my wife is pregnant, so we're, we're especially concerned and we're especially uh, worried about uh, her health. And also, uh, and also I have a daughter that I need to be worried about. Uh, one of my daughters I have to be worried about her uh, medical condition as well and uh, to be especially careful. Anyway, so, um, so part, part of this is, uh, so I had a mask. And, uh, and I refused to wear it uh, for the last couple of weeks because it didn't feel right. I'm not a medical worker uh, and it wasn't the CDC uh, instructions. And also um, I was keenly aware that not all of the cashiers or the people working in the store were afforded with personal protection either. If you've gone to Fairway now, you'll see that they've built plexiglass around the cashiers and they are offered more protection. So I felt less guilty. And my wife said, you're not going to Fairway unless you put on a mask. Um, otherwise, you know, we'll wait um, and we'll see the next time we could get a delivery. And I needed to go. I waited till it was late at night. Um, and I have to, I have to admit, I'm used to, I'm used to the Upper West Side. One of the reasons I love this city is, is all the people that are around. So I went to 10 o'clock at night, and of course it was desolate outside, which is already a scary thing. All of the signs, the kiosks, you know, so they have all this COVID information. It's, every, it's like out of a film. Um, that, it's amazing that that's the only point of reference is, is, is out of a film. And uh, I went into the store, and the store, everyone was wearing a mask. And I'm wearing a mask, I was feeling hot and sweaty, my glasses were fogging up, so I couldn't see, so I took off my glasses, and I, I'm essentially blind with them now, um, so you know, I'm, I'm looking up close at things, and while trying to avoid, and to distance myself physically from people, and, uh, and, and I was like, going shopping, and I felt myself almost having like, and you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be this soldier, I'm supposed to be this strong guy, and, and like, that's what I tell myself, and shopping was a terrifying experience, and I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm overdoing it, I know I'm exaggerating, I'm telling you how I feel, and, uh, and, I, and I was thinking of this particular capital, and Hashem Yishmort Seischavo Ech, and I was thinking of what Shemesh Tillam said, that this is somebody that's going out at night, 
and to say it, and this is what I'm saying in the store in Fairway at 10.30 at night as I'm shopping. That's the experience, and this is available to anybody um, to go ahead. Hashem Yishmorcha, Hashem Tzilcha, God is here with me. God is walking, Hashem is guarding all of my actions. Hashem I'm go ahead, and I'm going to bring back my tote bag with my groceries, Baruch Hashem, and I'm going to bring it back to my apartment. Uh, and we daven that it's not just for us, but the people that are on the front lines. I'm sure everybody heard the cheering today that was happening outside. And um, look, I feel a little bit selfish that I have my wife, Omkhani, was an ER nurse for years and years. Um, it's incredible. I can't imagine what it would be like. Um, and, uh, and I'm thinking deeply of other families that have a person involved in the medical field that's there. Uh, people that are, their mom is risking lives to do this. And people that are ensuring uh, the people working. Uh, it's amazing how quickly um, unskilled labor becomes so essential. Unskilled labor, right? People that are stocking our supermarket shelves, preventing us from losing it uh, and giving us that sense of security is an incredible chesed, is an incredible thing. And, and they're extremely vulnerable as well. Um, and to think of them and to think of them when you say this to him and then hopefully our tzel, a God being Hashem Tzilcha, will recognize that we're being merachim ala brios, that we're being merachim on other people. At the very least, we're practicing compassion in this time, which is so ripe for compassion and so open for opportunities for us to do chesed. And Hashem will emir Hashem be merachim on us as well. And he'll bring a refuah shleim Yisrael, not just to the sick of our community, but to all communities, and to bring an end to this terrible night and to allow us to go ahead and to, uh, to fully recognize the, the goodness and the, and the greatness of God and to be able to declare and to know that our help is coming, to know that uh, the, the spiritual Calvary, the, the divine Calvary is on its way. May it happen.